Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge's online service. I am Pastor John, and this week we are continuing our sermon series entitled Cultivate, where we're looking at the way God cultivates the church in Philippi so that they can produce the harvest of righteousness, righteousness so that we can see how God cultivates us also. And today we're looking at Philippians 2, um, verses 1 through 11, where Paul gives the church in Philippi the most important piece of information about being the church and about living life that they can ever learn. So thank you for joining in with us. The way this podcast and this online service works is we'll have some announcements and then we'll dive right into the scriptures and into the sermon. And then we'll have two songs at the end that you can listen to. We are grateful that you've tuned in with us. And I I hope that God blesses your worship with us this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us worship now. Here are some announcements. Welcome to Stonebridge. Our final prep day for Stonebridge Day Camp is scheduled for June 27th at 1130 a.m. Help us make day camp come to life and turn the Stonebridge campus into Rocky Railway. Not available to help in person? We're looking for snack donations for our awesome volunteers. Email Miss Stephanie to let her know how you can help. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Last week, Pastor John gave a video update of Stonebridge's mask policy. If you'd like to read or watch the update, check out our website. As of June 15th, if you have been fully vaccinated, masks are optional. Once again, welcome to worship. So we are continuing our sermon series entitled Cultivate, where we're looking at the letter to the Philippians. And in the introduction to this letter, Paul has greeted the Philippians, expressed his joy to them. He's told them a little bit about his situation. And now Paul turns to them and begins encouraging them. So I'm going to be reading from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. So I invite you to hear the word of God as I read the scriptures. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and I invite you to join with me in prayer. Lord, as we reflect on your scriptures, we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us. We ask that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, illuminate your scriptures, Lord, so that we can reflect on Jesus. We can reflect on the character that you revealed in Jesus. 
that we might be more like Jesus. So guide us through the scripture passage now, Lord. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to begin our sermon a little differently this week. Rather than just jumping into discussing the text, I want to play a game. And I've actually invited Lee Crabby, who is our director of worship at Stonebridge, to be the participant and the contestant in this game. Lee's usually behind the scenes. You may not know this. He's the one who records the podcast and does the sound engineering for that. We're going to ask him to come back from behind the booth today and participate in this game. How are you doing, Lee? I am doing well, thanks. So if you're tuning in in, in with us through the online video, Lee's just going to sound like a disembodied voice. Ooh. Yeah. It's not the voice of God. It's the voice of Lee there (laughs) talking. Um, And if you're tuning in with us through the podcast, we're already disembodied voices, so it should be just about the same. But here's the game. All right, Lee? Are you ready? I'm ready to go. All right, so this is the game. It's called Jesus or Someone Who Claims His Name. So Jesus or Someone Who Claimed His Name. All right. This is how this game is going to work. I'm going to give you a quote, Mm -hmm. and I want you to tell me, was it Jesus who said this or was it someone who claimed Jesus' name? So I'll give you the quote. If you think it's Jesus, you will say? Jesus. If you think it's somebody who claimed his name, you will say? Someone else? Somebody who claimed his name. Somebody who claimed his name. Okay. There you go. I will not accept somebody else's correct answer. (laughs) I don't have to form it like a question or anything? No, no, no. Okay. Have you ever been on a game show before? No. All right. (laughs) No prices right or anything for you? No. uh -uh. All right. All right. So that's it. That's the game. We're going to go through some quotes. Do you feel ready? I am ready. All right. First one up. But I say to you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus. Correct. Good job. Thank you. Keep your game the hang of this. Second quote. All who die in battle against the pagans shall have immediate remission of sins. Uh, Someone who claimed his name. Correct. Two for two. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. Jesus. Correct. Next one up. Let those who once fought against brothers and relatives now rightfully fight against barbarians. <laughs> Someone who claimed his name? Correct. I see a pattern, but I, okay, I don't want to get ahead. Let's keep going. All right. <laughs> the greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus. Correct. Last one. Are you ready for this? Is this bonus round? <laughs> no, this is... I think you've already won the game, but we'll we'll (laughs) see if you can do a perfect score. All right. Christians, arm for the rescue of Jerusalem under your Captain Christ. Wear the cross as your badge. If you are killed, your sins will be pardoned. (laughs) Yikes. Uh, Someone who claimed his name? That is correct. Lee, you got six for six on that. Nailed it. I want to say I'm I'm pretty proud of you right now. I'll edit in some applause at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So... Obviously, everybody, I I wanted to highlight that game, play that game. It it should have been pretty obvious which quotes were from which person. Um, And Lee did a good job of nailing it. But this game that we just played, I I think it highlights a real problem. I mean, on the one hand, we have Jesus's quotes, which are all rooted in humility. They're rooted in serving others on not just fighting back against people who attack you turning the other cheek, giving them your cloak as well. Jesus' quotes, they they all have to do with that. And Jesus' whole life in his ministry, that was the posture that he adopted. And yet so many Christians seem to just ignore that. 
So many Christians seem to just set aside Jesus' example and Jesus' words, and they engage in this problem, this problem of people doing things in Jesus' name that in no way reflect Jesus' character. They do things in Jesus' name that have nothing to do with what Jesus taught his followers to do. Now, the quotes that I took from, they're all from one person, and some of you may have picked up on that. They're all from a man named Urban II. Urban II, he was a pope, so it was Pope Urban II. And he was a pope during the medieval times, and he began the First Crusade. And the language that I was quoting from there was Urban encouraging people to pick up their weapons and to go battle in Jerusalem in the name of Christ. That was what Urban II was trying to get people to do. Now, I use that example not because we're trying to like pick on Catholics. This is not a Catholic problem. It's not a Protestant problem. It's not an Orthodox problem. It's not a non-denominational problem. It's a Christian problem. I also use that quote not just because it was in the past, because this is not a historical problem. It's not a medieval problem. It's not an ancient problem. It's not a modern problem. It's a Christian problem of all times. At any given point in the church's history, we have had leaders and Christians who claim Jesus' name, but then do things and encourage things that have nothing to do with anything that Jesus ever taught. And this is a very real problem for us in the church. And we can see this today if you look closely in today's world. I think the core of this problem, where it stems from, is that Christians far too often, and churches far too often, have not really taken Paul's words in Philippians 2 very seriously. They haven't looked really closely at what Paul is teaching the church in Philippi here in Philippians chapter 2. As a refresher, Paul, he begins his adult career wanting to destroy the church. He goes around persecuting the church and trying to take the lives of Christians. And then as he's entering into Damascus, he has this experience of Jesus where everything then changes for Paul. And he spends the rest of his life trying to build up churches, trying to create communities in cities and towns that are focused on Jesus and give a glimpse of the character of God as revealed in Jesus. Paul eventually gives his life for the church. That's how important it is to him. And here in the letter to the Philippians, Paul is writing to the Philippians because he's so encouraged and he's so joyful of the progress that they've made. He's greeted them with joy. He's told them a little bit about his situation and shared with his joy that Christ is being proclaimed. And now in Philippians 2, Paul encourages them to be of the same mind. He wants them to all be of one mind. That's his encouragement here. And he starts off by saying, uh, think of others more than yourselves. Have humility. Look to one another. But Paul knows, I believe, that just telling people to do something is not the most effective way of changing their behavior. More than that, Paul then, from Philippians 2, 5 through 11, he lifts up the character of Jesus as an example. He lifts up Jesus's life and even gives us a little bit behind the scenes when it comes to Jesus. This that Paul gives us here in Philippians 2, 5 through 11 
I really think this is the most important information anyone could ever have given to them. Paul is giving them, I don't want to say it's the secret to life because it's public. It's not a secret, but he's giving them the key to life. This is what it's all about, is this example from Jesus. Now, I love preaching. I think preaching is so fun, but one of the main reasons that I really love preaching is because eventually we're going to come back to Jesus's character. We will be talking about Jesus eventually whenever we're actually preaching the Bible because the Bible, it eventually pulls us back to Jesus. And I think that Jesus's way of living life and the life that Jesus calls us to is so fascinating and so interesting and so different than anything else that we've ever experienced. I mean, look at the quotes that we began with that game from Jesus, the ones that were clearly from Jesus. It's all about sacrificing yourself for others. It's all about serving other people. It's all about having humility. I mean, that's just what Jesus was about. And then Paul tells us that this way of life that Jesus taught, it wasn't just something he told other people to do. It was a very part of his being. This defined him, and by defining him, it defines God. This humility that Jesus exhibits, it's at the very center of the character of God. This is who we worship. This is the God revealed. And Jesus, though he was in very form God, we are told. Paul gives us kind of a behind the scenes here of Jesus, though he was in very form God. Jesus didn't see that as something to be exploited. The power that could have come with that Jesus emptied himself of it. The power that comes from being very God, Jesus emptied himself of it and eventually went and died on a cross. Humility, Jesus humbling himself, it's at the very center of God's character. Which is why I think comments like the ones that Pope Urban made, and not just the comments, but the actions that then followed those comments are such a problem. It's why I think that In those moments where Christian leaders want to claim Jesus' name, but then they do things that don't reflect Jesus' character, it's a real problem. Because the purpose of the church is to proclaim Christ. And our proclamation, it's not just through words. It's through the ways that we interact with one another, which is why Paul is encouraging the people in Philippi, the Christians in Philippi, to be of the same mind And not just the same mind of one another, but be of the same mind of Jesus. Because that's how we will truly proclaim Christ. With the ways that we treat one another, with the way that we treat others, and by modeling the humility that Jesus gives for us. By following the example Jesus gives. That is how we proclaim Christ. Sadly, though, unlike Jesus, Many people throughout history have realized that there is power in Jesus' name, and they have exploited it. Whereas Jesus saw being in the same form of God as something not to be exploited, other people claiming Jesus' name, they have exploited the power that comes with Jesus. And they usually do this for their own ends, for their own control, to, to increase their own power. Sometimes they're doing it out of very real fears. But we have to remember that Jesus didn't model for us grabbing power or grabbing control. What Jesus modeled for us and what Paul lifts up here in Philippians 2 is humility. That's the example that Jesus set for us. And that's what Jesus encourages each and every one of us to. 
Most of the times when you see people claiming Jesus' name to do uh, things that don't reflect Jesus' character, there's some sort of fight involved. They want to fight. There's a battle that needs to be won. There's some sort of contest that needs to be won. It's interesting to me, though, that that isn't really what Jesus calls us to. That's not the example Jesus set for us. Remember that when the soldiers came to take Jesus away in the garden, what does he tell Peter to do? He tells him to put away his sword. When Peter lashes out and cuts somebody's ear off, Jesus heals the ear. He tells Peter to put away his sword. And then Jesus goes willingly. He doesn't seek to defend himself. He doesn't seek to escape even. He goes willingly and he models for us this humility. I think, like I said, I love preaching because we'll eventually talk about Jesus. And I love Paul's words here in Philippians 2 because he doesn't just end with the humility, though the humility is very important. He makes sure that we know Jesus never exalted himself and because of that, God exalted Jesus. The Father exalted Jesus. And we get to this point where we learn every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. All those Christians who want to go out and to fight, all those Christians who want to go out and think that being a Christian is about arguing with people or fighting with people or or using power to control society, I think they're missing Paul's point here in Philippians 2, which is that God has already won the fight. God, through Jesus, already overcame all that needed to be overcome. We're waiting for the effects of that to be seen fully. But the promise here in Philippians 2 is that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That is going to happen. God has already won this fight. So for us, our role, it's not to fight God's fights. (laughs) That's already been taken care of. As Christians, our goal, our purpose is to proclaim Christ and to model the character of Jesus. And that character is one of humility. It's one of service. It's one of sacrifice. Now, our mission here at Stonebridge is to reach the lost, to make disciples, and to send them out. One of the big problems I see with this idea of claiming Jesus' name to do things that aren't rooted in Jesus' character. One of these ideas of setting aside Jesus' humility as though that example doesn't apply to us, it makes it really difficult to fulfill the mission of reaching the lost. How can you reach the lost if you spend all of your time fighting the lost? How can you reach the lost if all you're trying to do is prove to them that they're wrong constantly. That's not going to reach the lost. I have a friend, a colleague, who is a chaplain. As a pastor, one of the things that we have to do in the Presbyterian tradition is an internship where we we serve as chaplains in a hospital. It's to help us with our pastoral care. And while I was doing this, I, I was working with a man named Bill. And Bill was not studying to be a pastor. He was a chaplain. He wanted to continue being a chaplain, and he is still a chaplain today. And he was one of the best chaplains I've ever worked with. And Bill told me this story about early on in being a chaplain. It was actually right before he became a chaplain. He was starting to feel this sense of call to chaplaincy. 
And what he did for a summer is he went up to a camp. And it was a camp for people with special needs. And he took a job at this camp working in the kitchen. And his job was to organize the workers of the camp who were all people with special needs who were working there in the kitchen with him. And his job was to make sure that the kitchen ran well. One day, while they were working in the kitchen, one of the people that Bill was working with and that he was overseeing started becoming upset. And Bill didn't know why. He didn't understand what was going on. This person began crying and refusing to work. And Bill started to feel some anxiety and started saying, you have to get to work. We have a job to do. And Bill became increasingly stern in the way that he spoke to this person. And as he became stern, the individual who was upset became more and more upset to the point where this person was crying and unable to work. And and Bill was close to yelling almost. He was so frustrated in the moment and he didn't know what to do. And he just kept saying, get to work, get to work, get to work. A scene started to develop with all the other workers in the kitchen. They all started gathering around, seeing what was happening. And then one of them gently came up behind Bill, put his hand on Bill's shoulder, and just kind of pulled Bill back and aside. And then this person who was working in the kitchen walked up to the individual who was upset and simply hugged her and then started crying with her. A few moments later, both of them were on the ground hugging and crying. And then about a minute after that, Bill said, they both calmed down, they got up, and they went back to work. Bill learned a lesson that day. If you want to be a Christian to someone, fighting against them, arguing with them, trying to control them, that's not how you do it. If you want to be a Christian to someone, if you want to guide someone to the God that we worship, coming alongside them, caring for them, meeting them where they are, and genuinely seeking to serve them, that's how you do it. That day, Bill saw an example of somebody modeling Jesus' humility. And I think that day, Bill saw an example of what we are supposed to do as Christians. Love others. Serve people. Care for them in a genuine way so that this world can get that glimpse that Paul paints for us of Jesus in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. This world can understand that Jesus, the God that we worship, is someone who emptied himself of power, who didn't seek to control the world but sought to save the world because he loved it and cared for it. And that the God that we worship emptied himself in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might have life. And any time that we feel anxiety or concern at the fact that other people disagree with us, we have to remember that God has already won the fight. And our job is to point to the work that God has done so people can place their hope in the God of the Bible as revealed in Jesus. Be of the same mind as Christ, Paul tells us. Too many Christians have ignored the mind of Jesus. May we not be like them. Instead, may we be like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we take his words seriously. May we take his example seriously. 
And may we model to the world the humility that Jesus modeled for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. is anchored in your name this we know this we know you promise never to forsake what you begin you will sustain this we know this we know
Friends, wherever you go, may you go modeling the humility of Jesus. May you go lifting up Jesus' character, reflecting Jesus' character so that the people you come into contact with can get a glimpse of who Jesus is. And may you go treating others the way Jesus treated others and encouraged us to treat others. And may you go treating others the way Jesus treats you. May you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace and amen.